Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett, where we talk about all things financial, focusing on helping you plan, keep, and grow for a successful future. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you're tuning in again, welcome back and thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. Today, we are talking about ways that your retirement plan can get off track. We discuss common mistakes that we've seen and ways you may be able to avoid them. Also, we talk about questions you should be asking yourself through various financial stages. If you have questions about anything that's discussed today, please reach out. My name is Garrett Smith, and we look forward to having you with us today. All right, welcome, welcome. Well, we're back for another one. This Get my is, mic right. This is great. A uh, little less than exciting topic today, but I think one that's uh, sometimes it's good to look at uh, what can go wrong. Uh, it's not something you want to plan for, but it, it happens. Well, I think if you know some of the things that can go wrong, hopefully you can avoid some of those things. So, Yeah, so today we're going to kind of cover four of our more common ways uh, that it seems like retirements can fall short. I'm sure it'll trigger five, six, seven, and eight as we kind of tell some stories along the way. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, retirement's not easy, especially when you're living, you know, 40 years after you retire. It's unbelievable how long retirement can be now, you know, longer than some working careers, which is, it's crazy that that happens. Yeah, I think that's one of the big, the big problems. Well, even with the social security system, when, when that first came out, you know, people retired at 65 and life expectancy was, you know, 70 and it, you know, it's just, but now people retire and I mean, we have tons of clients well into their 80s and a few in their 90s. Yeah. And a, and a lot of those clients in their 80s are looking like they're going to easily make it to their 90s. Yes. Yes. It's, you know, there's, um, which is, which is fun. You know, it's fun to see you work with people for year after year after year and kind of go through all stages of life with them. And it, I, I guess that's one thing I've been surprised is how much your life does change through retirement. You know, you're not necessarily changing your house or having kids or kind of having those big life events, but you, you know, you got travel, you got grandkids, you got other projects you take on, you got hobbies, you, you know, that you, you want to start up and do. And, um, what do you think about somebody that retired, you know, 30 years ago and 30 years ago, the internet was just barely starting, <laughs> <Right>. you know? <laughs> so yeah, things, uh, things definitely change. People live a lot longer and, and it's, it's great to have a long life, uh, especially if you've got some extra savings and you're not just trying to scrimp by on Social Security. So, Right. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, obviously health is, you know, we don't necessarily cover that here, but health is kind of a big determining factor. Sure. You know, it's, it's, it is the dice roll that we all have. Um, and, uh, you know, that is one area that you, you can come short. It's not one that we brought up here just because it, there's not much we can do about it. Right. Yeah, it's kind of out of our wheelhouse. So, But the first topic I wanted to cover was just the, um, you know, just always trying to hit a home run. Um, kind of the what's the latest and greatest and let's guess the next big winner. And it is a lot of fun when you get it right. You know, there's, <laughs> but it's it is a losing proposition over time. Well, I, I think this topic's especially important for our, our younger clients um, you know, when we're younger, we're, we're all impatient. You know, we hear about, you know, this stock quadrupled last year and, and this mutual fund did 60% last year. And we, you know, we have a tendency to, to want in on that type of action. We just think, you know, if I could double my money every year, like in 10 years, I could retire. 
And it just, it, I've made a ton of financial mistakes by chasing returns early on, you know, in my, in my twenties and thirties, just, you know, just trying to maximize the return and, and it, it just rarely works out. So there's, there's just a better way to do it for sure. Well, and that's, you know, on our website, we have these words and I use them all the time, plan, keep and grow. You know, kind of the first step is just not going backwards. Right. You know, when you, when you finally get a little savings or get a little something, you, 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 you there is a desire to just, Hey, if I double this for the next five years, you know, I'm a, I'm a millionaire and it's awesome. And, and sure on paper, that's a lot of fun. But, you know, along with that, there's plenty of things that have gone to zero, gone down 90%. Can you actually yeah. hang into the volatility there? And and so one of the first steps that we always think of is, you know, how do you just make sure you're not taking yourself backwards? And chasing returns is one way to show them that, that generally over time, it, it does kind of start to work against you. Well, there's been studies done on mutual fund companies and they, you know, they track the best performer for last year. And uh, how did it do the next year? And it's just extremely rare for them to be at the top of the heap again. It just doesn't just doesn't work that way because there's so many mutual funds and they're, you know, they're so narrow nowadays. You can buy a, you know, a, a, a mutual fund or a, an ETF that invests in, you know, specific software technology. And and if it's on, it's, you know, it's a 100 percent return. And if it's off, it's a you know, it's a 50% loss. And so, you know, we have to be really careful not to, you know, not to put a lot of stock in what happened, what, what did the best last year? Yeah, I think there's, you know, um, kind of come from the mind that concentration does build wealth. You know, if you take a concentrated bet on a particular company sector, you know, you can, you know, that's obviously how business owners do, do really well, well, because their bulk of their net worth is tied into one company. They're making a concentrated bet and concentration does build wealth, but it's diversification that seems to hang on to it year after year. Right. And so, you know, I, I'm a fan of starting with the diversification and then adding the concentration later versus the other way around. Right. Because it, that, that plan seems to have a few less potholes through the years, makes it easier to stay in there when you have down years. And then and then when you have the concentration built after you've kind of filled the family bucket, the take care of the family bucket, and then you start adding the the concentrated bets to to grow some wealth. When it does go down, go to zero, you know, down 90%, you're not putting you know, a retirement goal at risk or paying off the house at risk or, you know, whatever those financial goals are. You know, the last thing you want to do is you get into retirement, you take a concentrated bet and you end up, you know, being a greeter at Walmart or having to go back to work. You know, that's the, you know, that that applies whether you're starting out or ending out. You know, diversification, in our opinion, is what keeps wealth versus, you know, concentration does build it. It does, it does work if you get it right. Yeah. Yeah. The diversification is just, it's, it's just super important. I mean, you just don't want to, you know, grandma always said, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And there's a reason that's been around forever and ever. And it's because it's, it's good advice. Um, you know, we're not here to discourage business owners. If you, if you have a business and you, you know, your wealth is concentrated in that business, that's a whole different situation because you have control sure. and, yeah. and visibility and view of what's going on there. These publicly traded companies, uh, it, it, you know, it's really kind of hard to know exactly what they're going to do next year and the next year. So a um, little difference there, you know, if you're in business, that's great. Um, 
concentrate your wealth there and go, but save on the side at the same time. Yeah, that's the you can use the you know public equity, public investing side to kind of offset some of the risks that you're taking in a business. Um, but that's yeah, I think that's a good point that you know we're obviously a big fan of owning and running a business. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and it is a great way to build wealth. Um, uh, the other uh, the other topic is a lot of people get antsy to retire early. And obviously, that's got its pluses and minuses. It's motivating mm -hmm. to, you know, encourage you to save. Um, but it's really easy to retire too early because you just, you know, retirement, you could just wake up one day and say, I'm retired. You know, there's no, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing stopping you. You know, anybody can retire any day. Well, the financial burden of retiring at age 50 versus age 65, say, is just, it's massive. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, uh, you got 15 years of uh, no social security, no social security increases, you're uh, tapping into your portfolio. And so, um, I mean, if you can do it, that's good. Just, we just have to make, you know, double and triple check the mathematics on it to make sure that that we're prepared for a 45 year retirement. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long so, time. you know, I, I've always felt like the the way to do that is to is to set your retirement plan up and just, you know, the goal being, you know, age 65 or 67, whatever the, you know, the Social Security um situation is for your personal situation. And then, you know, once you get to the point where, okay, I'm, I'm good. I could retire. I'm, you know, now I'm 55 years old and, and it looks like I'm on track to retire at 67, say, uh, at, at, then at that point, just work on moving the date up, uh, you know, move it to 65. And then once you get that, well, I want to try to re do it at age 62 and you just keep moving the date up. And then, and then once you get to the point where the math works and you could retire and you're and you're sure the math works and the cost of living is all built into it and, and inflation and everything else, uh, then work becomes optional at that point. And we do have clients that are in the optional work stage and they're still working because, you know, they enjoy working. And, and but that's a great position to be in. Yeah. And I think it opens up, you know, if, if you can get to the work optional phase, it opens up setting future goals of, you know, I do really want to leave something for the kids or I want to, you know, have more charitable intent and start a foundation. You know, if you if you can balance that, well, I don't have to retire and it opens up some other goals. It, you know, it, it allows you to kind of build more than just I want to get out of here and mm -hmm. I want to stop working. And and I'm also surprised how many, how far, you know, say an extra thousand dollars a month in side work you know, help somebody's retirement plan. Oh yeah. You know, if you've, if, you know, part-time work is not, is not a bad option instead of just going from, you know, 40 or 60 hours a week to zero, you know, and just taking some part-time work to supplement some income and maybe draw on the portfolio, maybe not depending on the situation. And that, you know, that extra 500, extra thousand dollars a month makes, can make a big difference for somebody to kind of bridge those years when they say, I don't necessarily love my job, but I'm not quite ready to retire yet. Yeah, so that that's that is another option is just some part time work, and you know sometimes just uh, I've noticed that it's difficult for some people to go from working full time to just you know just pulling the plug, and um, you know all of a sudden you're not working anymore at all. And um, you know my dad when he he got ready to retire, we didn't let him retire till he was uh, 
uh, 75. He, he, I own a business with him. And at age 75, we decided it was probably about time. But before that, we just kind of, um, you know, first he started working four days a week and then three days a week and, and then two days a week. And once he got down to the point where he was working two days a week and most of the day was just reading a Louis Lamar book, <laughs> we knew it was probably okay for the business uh, and for him uh, to to retire because he'd kind of eased into it. And if, if you can pull off something like that, that's a great situation. Uh, if you have a job and they need you for 40 hours a week, that's a, that's a challenge. But that is another option is just look around for something that you would really enjoy doing that would would pay you for 20 hours a week or something. Yeah. And I'm surprised how, how often we've had clients go back and talk to a boss or manager and say, look, I, I don't want to work 40 hours a week anymore. I can do 15. I can do 20. Can we make that work? And they're more than happy to accommodate yeah. that, you know, <laughs> especially for really good employees. Yeah, you, you know? You've got some I've just been surprised how for most people that's been a fairly positive way to to kind of come about it. And we've had some people do some consulting work. And yeah. so, you know, they just uh, are on on call to consult with different, um, you know, they're all, a lot of times it's their old boss, uh, their old employer. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good way to do it too. Yeah. So needless to say, you know, don't, don't, don't jump too early. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to get back that high paying job. Yeah. You know, usually those last few years are your highest earning years. And, and so being really careful and, you know, there's an old saying or one that I've heard for a lot of years that you never want to retire during a, a bull market. You only want to retire during a bear market because then you know kind of where the bottom of the portfolio is. Right. And, and then you've got some real numbers, you know, when you, when you retire in the middle of the market, just going straight up for a few years, it's easy to kind of over plan on some dollars. And so, you know, there's not much you can necessarily control about that, but, you know, I think it's, it's the more you conservative, you can be on your assumptions, on your withdrawal rates, on your returns, on your diversification of your portfolio, you know, all in all, each one of those builds in, you know, a level of, of being more conservative or more aggressive. Yeah. There's a national radio host that says, you know, you build your portfolio up and once you can live on 10% of that money, (laughs) Uh, you're good to go. And his example is you build a million dollars, you pull a hundred thousand dollars out of the year and, and uh, that's what you should expect. And trust me, that math does not work. It, it just does. It just does not work. So that it's, it's much more complicated than that. So, you know, you really do need significantly more than just 10 times your annual expected income. Yeah. It'll work for a while, I guess. You know, if you only want to have a 10-year retirement, it for sure works. <laughs> <laughs> well, the odds of it working are long-term or, you Pretty know, slim. almost zero. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's exactly right. That's You can take more aggressive and more conservative approaches to how you want to calculate the kind of the retirement trade-offs. Yeah. Um, the other one uh, is kind of along your, if you're coming up on retirement, it's it, it, it doesn't necessarily apply, but it's for our, you know, our younger clients is, is just not being a consistent savior. It's really easy to kind of flip the savings on and off through your life as, as things come up or even making withdrawals from the portfolio. You know, you, you work so hard to kind of build this, this nest egg and then, you know, the tires go out on the car or you need a new roof. And so you tap back into your savings and, you know, it just sets you back. Mm-hmm. That comp- you're just interrupting that compound interest. And, and the sooner you can save and the sooner you can just get out of the way of of some compounding interest, uh, generally you're, you know, far better off and you have a lot more optionality down the road. Oh yeah. Start early and, and be consistent. That's the, that's the key. I mean, 
anybody that has a job that has an employer with a 401k plan, you've just got to get that match. Um, you know, if, if they're going to match 3%, at least get 3% in and, and just, you know, start, just start early. You, I mean, uh, first job you have, you should just get in the habit of saving like, you know, 10% of your income should just go somewhere that's long-term savings. And I've always been an advocate of saving 10% of all you, all you make. And, and, uh, if you do that consistently over time, there's just, you just can't fail in retirement. It just, it just will always work out regardless of, uh, that is the most important thing you can do is just start early and be consistent and the returns will take care of themselves. All that stuff will just work itself out. Um, if you just, uh, put money in and be consistent. Just start off with $25 or whatever, whatever it takes, just get started. And then every time you get a raise, every time you change jobs and get a, a bump in pay, add to it, add to it, add to it, and just force feed that it's much more important uh, what you put in than what your returns are. Yeah. And, and, you know, generally speaking, a more conservative investment portfolio over time is, uh, has a higher rate of success than a more aggressive portfolio sure. over time. And your savings rate can really determine that. Um, that's why we're fans of a high saving rate early on. It just opens up the option for a more conservative portfolio, which once again has, you know, historically has shown better odds of success through retirement. Um, it, it's, it's the, the, the savings rate is your savings rate. And when you start is, you know, um, is more important than, you know, the taxes or what you choose to invest in really, because you need to get that pile of money started. You need to get something to be able to start growing. Right. And then, and then sticking with it. And then I think the last one is that's really easy to forget in your younger years and then becomes obviously painful usually as your earnings increases taxes. Um, it's obviously a ongoing discussion that we have with clients, mm -hmm. even in and through retirement. Um, that's why we're fans of having multiple tax buckets to draw from, you know, such as a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA, you know, it gives you some flexibility versus having it all in one um, and things like that, that, um, you know, it's taxes are really easy to set aside and say they don't matter. But ultimately, it's the return that matters is your after tax and after inflation return. Mm -hmm. That's that's the number that matters. And um, uh, so, you know, you can't forget about taxes. It's part of every conversation and, and getting those strategies right early and all the way through retirement uh, are great for you, especially if your goals extend on to, you know, helping your kids out um, down the road or leaving something in a foundation or, or a trust for, for later generations. Yeah. And the problem with taxes is that it's always changing. The rules always change. You know, you, we're going to do this and then, then, you know, they change and that doesn't work as well. And, so, yeah, um, just having different buckets to pull from and and that way when things change, we can adjust. And but that is definitely a, an ongoing lifelong challenge is just to kind of factor in taxes to all the other math that goes on behind the scenes for sure. And I think that's really important to have that conversation with your tax professional and us at the same time. You know, those that's how you can kind of look forward and backwards at the same time mm -hmm. and, and balance those two, because, you know, it, it's you can defer all your taxes and pay, you know, work really hard to try to pay as little or no taxes today. And then down the road, you end up having a big tax bill. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Um, you know, it, it's like everything in finances, it's about the trade-offs, but forgetting about um, taxes or that you've deferred all your money and so all the taxes are coming due in retirement can be um, counterproductive and you might not have as many assets as you think you have uh, once you account for 
taxes. Yeah, sometimes we make all the all the decisions on what's best for me right now, and we need to we need to look at it and say, well, what's good now, but what's really the best for the future. That's the that's the best decision. So, and I think one thing we always lean towards is optionality. You know, we don't we we don't want to maximize for knowing no taxes today or no taxes in the future, but what gives us the most flexibility? Mm-hmm. What gives us the most options down the road? Because the rules are always changing. So, let's how can we work in a way that's not closing doors off to us right now, but keeping them open for as long as we can? Because who knows what's going to happen? You know, everything from tax rules to health rules to family situations, you know, life just changes over time. And if you've you know, kind of made a, uh, closed all your doors and put all your eggs in one, you know, tax bucket or, or whatever it may be, uh, you, you kind of lose some of that optionality. So mm-hmm. we're, I think we're big fans of, of, you know, trying to keep your options open as much as you can for as long as you can. Yep. I agree. Well, I think that's just a few things on, on ways you can fall short. Um, and, uh, if this kind of spurred anything for you, um, be sure to reach out. We're always happy to talk to you, uh, as well as, you know, please uh, share this with others who, uh, who are in your circles that could uh, benefit from this conversation. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, visit us at ascendinvestment.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter to keep you up to date. See you in the next episode. Kessler, Norman, and Ride, LLC, DBA, Ascend Investment Partners is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where our firm and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Ascend Investment Partners unless a client service agreement is in place. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice, performance data, or recommendations that any particular security, portfolio of securities, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any specific person. This program is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. All opinions contained in this podcast are subject to change at any time without notice. To determine which, if any, investments may be appropriate for you, please consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this podcast is not guaranteed of future results. As always, please remember that all investing involves risk and possible loss.